0: Good morning. Good morning. I'm not sure why both Bambuil and uh, Lien are saying Pastor Lamatui to introduce Pastor Naftali. They've already introduced him, so I'm not sure what I should do. Uh, but he's Pastor Naftali Ogalo. Uh, he pastors Grace Baptist Church in uh, a town called Eldoret in Kenya. Uh, Pastor Naftali I've known for a while. For some reason, we've never uh, preached together in the Africa Pastors Conference and it's always been his problem. Uh, He's not been comfortable to preach with me, I'm not sure why. Uh, But he will tell you something. Um, When he does come to preach, he is like Pastor Mbewe, those of you that know him. He's a paparazzi, so he would like to take a few pictures uh, and then pick up preaching. Now, there is no scripture for taking pictures, uh, so that will be outside the sermon. But it will also allow somebody to take a picture of him while he's preaching for purposes of reporting uh, back home. He's more pastoral than I am. Uh, Pastor Ogallo, When
1: my friend, colleague, and brother says all that about me, I am rendered speechless. But I am here to preach, bring God's word to you. Um, Dear friends, it is very, if I say exciting, I mean that in a a true sense of uh, the word. I'm very grateful, yes. I've known this dear brother for um, some time. He's been to my church, he's preached for me. We've been at a conference uh, in Kenya together. Um, and it wasn't by design uh, that uh, we should be speaking at the um, African Pastors Conference um, at different times. Not that I don't want to share um, a conference with him, but it has happened that way. That when he's speaking at the conference, I am either speaking somewhere else or anyway, they did call me. But that's fine. Here we are. We want to uh, receive God's word uh, together. Uh, this morning there was another pastor expecting that I would be in his church. But yesterday when I sent a message to him that uh, sorry I'm held back in Ndola, he just sent a short message saying, "Tell Pastor Lama I have forgiven him." <laughs> so here we are. So. Uh, but um, please do receive greetings from Kenya. As I'll be speaking, uh, you definitely maybe already have picked that um, that accent is not uh, Zambian, but that's fine. Uh, I will try to pronounce uh, all my words carefully, but should I fail to of you fail to um, capture what I mean, definitely at the door as we greet one another uh, please engage me and say what did you mean because I want to make sure that at the end uh, I have communicated God's word I wasn't quite told how long I should preach so if I see Pastor wave his hand then I should be done mm-hmm. Forty-five minutes, okay. Thank you, thank you. Good. A passage was read before you, uh, and that is on the uh, prayer. Uh, And I want to speak to you on prayer. When pastor asked me um, that I could uh, prepare a message, the line of prayer. It's not something that is uh, Unfamiliar to me in other words my own congregation needs this message Just as we do this morning and So let us pray then Oh Lord our God uh, Thank you for bringing us now to this moment we may pay attention to your word oh we pray that you'll teach us teach us Lord, from your word we are dealing with a very uh, very important uh, subject very important uh, truth that of prayer help us help me as I lead Uh, This congregation uh, to think biblically in this very matter may you Lord help me as I do just that to the end we will be men and women of prayer persistent in prayer urgent in prayer praying together so hear us for this we pray in Jesus name amen i will want to bring this truth to all of us this morning prayer is one of our greatest blessings but also one of our greatest struggles prayer is essential to a Christian prayer is essential to a church and my single aim is to seek to encourage you to be a praying church friends I could just stand here and say God commands you to pray and that's biblical First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says just that. But, I want to persuade you. I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you and convince you that indeed we must pray. And what I'm doing is to urge all of us, to be prayerful. Just imagine. Now, if it's happening in this church, praise be to God. But just imagine if during the midweek prayer the auditorium was packed like this. Oh, what an encouragement. Now, I don't know, and the Pastor didn't tell me, please preach on this because during prayer we hardly get half. The auditorium you No, he didn't tell me at all. But I know in my own church what happens. <clears throat> During the midweek prayers, we are ever so few. Now, of course, our number, even on a Sunday, even the best attended Sunday, is not like you. And the Lord has blessed you. To have a large number like this come to seek to worship God. Children packed and now they've had to go to their class to, to, to be in the place of worship. Great. That is great. And so friends, you need to pray corporately. That is together as a church. But you know, you may say, Sorry, uh, visiting preacher, I know we don't attend the corporate prayer, but we are prayerful people at home. Now, that may be the case, but uh, maybe true, but the corporate prayer actually reflects and reveals what happens in private. It is not that when you pray privately, faithfully, earnestly, that you don't appear at the corporate prayer time. In fact, reverse is the case. If you are genuinely locked up, very faithful in your closet, in your private uh, single prayer, you will desire then to be with the rest to pray. And so, what is prayer? Now, as uh, many of us here know, volumes of books have been written on the matter of prayer. But let me give you just a short sentence to help us as we think of prayer. In terms of definition, prayer is a believer's communication with God. A believer's communication with God. And there are three um, components there, three elements there. There is God, there is the believer, and there is the communication. And prayer cannot occur if any one of these three are missing. Without God, no one listens. Without the believer, no one speaks. Without communication, of course, then nothing is said. Oh, this morning, let's all of us be encouraged to know that the recipient of prayer, that is God, he is more ready, more ready to hear and answer then we are ready to pray. And the passage we read, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13, shows, the Lord Jesus shows the willingness, the readiness of our Father to hear us and to give us or answer us when we pray. Well, having then given you an introduction and a brief definition, I want to do two things. I want to encourage us to pray from the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ himself and then in the third place I'll be showing encouragement from the ministry of the apostles. Now I know I could have taken another point encouragement from history encouragement from what we can read and reports we hear from other places but there isn't the time and I want to just zero in and draw from the life of the Lord Jesus Christ a few points to help us and friends all that we can learn about prayer If we fail to then turn to the Lord Jesus Christ to be our great example and teacher in prayer, then we have not learned. And this is because, without a doubt, he was a man mighty in prayer, of course, and did. Now, if anyone had a reason not to pray, surely it was the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? why do I make that statement? Well, it's because he is the very son of God with power and glory. So why should the very son of God who owns everything he could do like this and get what he wants and, and destroy his enemies just, just like that we see him again and again, we are told in the scriptures, we will see some of those, that he prayed, he prayed, he prayed. Why is that? Of course, it's because God has ordained prayer as means through which he will accomplish his will. Of course, the greatest will the greatest desire and therefore the greatest ministry the Lord Jesus Christ um, had is redemption of his people so let me show you then for our encouragement a number of areas in the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ that he was a man of prayer to the end dear friends that as his people whom he has saved if that is our testimony surely can we do any less so as we look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ I want to give you in the first place the very beginning of his preaching ministry there in Galilee the truth about prayer. If you turn please to Mark chapter 1 verse 32, Mark 1 verse 32, and it's a long passage, but Jesus had declared that his great work was to seek and to save the lost, as that is recorded to us in Luke 19. But this activity of the Lord Jesus Christ, is preaching ministry, where he was to seek and to save the lost, there in verse uh, Mark one. If you look at verse thirty-eight, or let's take it from verse thirty-five to thirty-eight. Now in the morning, having a, uh, risen a long while before the daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout Galilee and casting out demons. So, you see, Peter and the rest are searching for him. Everyone is searching for you. Now, why? It's because he had done great miracles. And so, people wanted more. People are asking the disciples, where is he? Where is he? We've got more sick people. They said, I must go. Let's go to the other towns and preach there also. That's why I came. But, this work of preaching wherever, in every town is preceded by this that we read in verse 35. He went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. And so right at the beginning of his ministry, seeking the lost, that they may be saved, he prayed. Prayer was his practice. But then we move on We can't really look at every um, time in his prayer life, but we are taking those um, crucial uh, points, epochs, uh, that we can um, learn from. And so in the second place, the choosing of the Twelve Apostles. Now, if you turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6. We are seeing indeed that the Savior of the world is a man of prayer. And so Luke chapter six, we can just read verses twelve and thirteen. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to into the mountain or out of the mountains to pray and continued. night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to him. And from them, he chose twelve whom he also named apostles. And then their names are given to us in verses 14 to 16. Jesus had spent all night in prayer to God. Now why? He had a very important work ahead of him. And he therefore commits himself to his father, seeking the father's guidance and blessing in that which was before him. Then there is also another crucial time in his life in his ministry. We are still in the book of Luke. If you turn to chapter 9, you will see it. Luke chapter 9, and there in verse 28, the um, transfiguration, and this is what we read. From verse 28, Luke 9, 28. And it came to pass about the eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And then behold, two men uh, talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his disease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. And so it goes on. This very crucial point in Jesus' ministry, which was to culminate in Jerusalem, we see these two characters, Moses and Elijah, They are Old Testament figures. Why do they appear here? You see, since the law and the prophet testify to Jesus Christ, these two prominent names, Moses represents the law, while Elijah represents the prophets of the Old Testament. They were privileged to appear with Jesus to discuss his departure, his death this is what we observe this is a crucial time in his work the work that cannot be accomplished in his own strength and we find him locked up in prayer he calls of course this um, peter john and james to join him but he's locked up in prayer Now, please don't be weary. All we are seeing about the life of Jesus uh, so far is that he was a man of prayer. And his ministry was constantly covered with prayer. And then, as though that is not enough, why don't we move now? We can move to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. Right near the end of um, Matthew, recording uh, about the, the life of the Lord Jesus, Matthew chapter 26, in verse 36. He's about to, to complete the work that he came to do, about to demonstrate his love to the end. For those whom he loved, he loved them to the end. And it will demand his very life. And so, my friends, we read from verse 36, Matthew 26, from verse 36. These words, then Jesus came with them to a place called uh, Gethsemane, excuse me, and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, "Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. Let you enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak he went away again a second time and prayed saying oh my father if this cup cannot pass away from me unless i drink it your will be done he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Could even read it there. Lord Jesus realizes in this final lake that he cannot continue, he cannot accomplish, he cannot finish. He cannot bring all that he came to do into completion without prayer. And he was locked in prayer. And those who were close to him let him down. But he was much in prayer. What do we see then? What do we conclude from just an overview, taking a few few areas in the life of the Lord Jesus? What are we learning every stage of his work he relied upon his heavenly father through earnest prayer. Why did Christ have to struggle so much in prayer like this? Why? There's a reason. The work to do, my friends. That work concerned you and me. It was for our salvation. It could not have been achieved otherwise. None of us would be saved. Of course, as we know, if Christ did not shed his blood, none would have their sins forgiven. But we can also put it this way. If Christ did not pray, as he did, and he allowed it to, to be recorded down, none of us would be saved. Chapter and verse? Yes. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5. Hebrews, chapter 5. Let's look at verses 7 to 9. Hebrews 5, verses 7 to 9. As he writes to, uh, the writer to the Hebrews uh, writes and seeks to show them, listen, you came to know Christ. You began well with him. You cannot substitute him. You have to continue with him. So there in verses 7 we read this. Who, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ as our high priest. Who, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him. Who was able to save him from death. And was heard because of his godly fear though he was a son yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered and having been perfected he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him so friends the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ crucial important, so significant, if if he did not pray the way he did, none would have been saved. And so it's not to see his sacrificial work on the one hand and his um, uh, prayer life on the other. No. But it was merged together. Just as He shed his blood so that we could be saved. So he prayed in such a way that God, his Father, answered him. And we are told that then he became the author of our salvation. The same truth is picked again in Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12 where they write again um, to the Hebrews encouraging these people you began with Christ, continue in in Him there are many others who have gone before you and they continued to the end looking to the coming Christ how can you turn back? so he tells them looking, well let me pick it from verse 1 to get the context Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And listen to this. Looking unto Jesus... Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so he is the author and finisher of our faith. And the same truth. The writer had used in chapter 5 that having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. The prayer life of the Lord Jesus Christ is crucial for our salvation. Just sitting there and listening to the children answer questions of the things they've been taught. Really moving. Really encouraging. And one of them, regardless of of what the question was, said, Well, because we have sinned. And it's true. It's true. Even our children know they are sinners. And there's no way they can be saved apart from the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who says, let little children come to me was yes, to go to the cross to die. Even for children that if they put their trust in him, they will be saved. And a part of the work Christ did was to pray for those who would be saved and therefore pray even for the children. He blessed them he blessed them. If our salvation caused our Lord such vehement, and now that's a, an all-English word, but really meaning strong, powerful. If our salvation caused the Savior to pray so powerfully could we not learn from him, dear friends? Christ is our perfect example. Having said that, surely can we not pray as he prayed. Now, not to the same degree. Surely he is way above us. Now he is a man like we are. But let prayer be our desire. Now, that's our Savior, our Redeemer, our perfect example. But let me quickly now give you also illustrations from the Scriptures, from the ministry of the apostles, so that we can be encouraged to pray corporately, to pray together as a church that we may saturate that we may so cover every church life every church ministry with prayer now you remember what we read in Luke chapter 11 one of the disciples one of the Apostles having heard, seen and heard the Lord Jesus Christ pray, then he goes and says, Teacher, teach us also to pray, as John taught his disciples. But then they were not able to learn prayer overnight. In fact... When the Savior needed them ever so much, you know what happened? They let him down. They let him down, as we saw in in the book of Matthew. But did the Savior give up on them? No, no, he never gave up on them. He was patient with them. After his resurrection, the Lord Jesus now redirects them. Actually, I say redirects them, but what provoked that? If you turn to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, the Lord Jesus has risen and uh, um, talked with them. And just before he left them, then... It it shows where their heart really was because they asked. Therefore, in chapter 1 verse 6 of Acts, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That tells you where their heart really was. Well, and the Lord Jesus Christ redirects them to the most important work at hand. And he tells them, listen, it's not yours to know times and seasons. That's locked up with God, He's sovereign. But there is work for you to do. And this work you can only do not on your own strength. But when you're adequately prepared through prayer so Acts chapter 1 verse 14 they seem to have picked that from the Lord Jesus Christ they knew they had to pray and to pray together so in verse 14 these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication and with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers They learned their lesson. They needed to pray, they needed to pray together. And the following examples will just show that indeed, praying together as a church, praying together as God's people is the pattern that the Lord Jesus Christ left and wanted to continue. And these apostles indeed learned that lesson. We need to learn it and do it as they did. Please look at what happens then when they wanted to replace Judas, who had betrayed the Lord Jesus. Then we see them locked in prayer. Verse 24. And they prayed and said, Oh, our Lord, you, O Lord, who knows the hearts of all, show which of these two you have Chosen. and then it goes on. But also, as the new church was born, the marks of a biblical church was evident uh, in that church, and one of the marks of a biblical church is a church that prays together. And look at it in chapter 2, verse 42. From verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And that refers to the corporate prayer of the church. I think I did pick from the pastor that soon, the Lord has blessed you, uh, that soon a number of uh, uh, people will be baptized uh, as they join the membership. And that is exciting. Now recently, a few months ago in our church, we baptized six students from the university. That was a time of great excitement in our church. And then more recently, I think two Sundays ago, we baptized another young lady student. Every time that happens is exciting. But oh, I pray that when those who will be baptized here join the membership, that they will be found joining the church in praying together. Because that is a mark of a true church, of a Biblical church. Well, my friends, those are exciting times when people, the Lord saves people and they are baptized and they are brought into the membership and the church prays together. But it's not only at such times. There will then be times also of difficulties. In the case that I'm making reference to is when Peter and John had been um, imprisoned for the gospel. Difficulties may come, may face the church because of the gospel. You turn with me to chapter 4, please. Hmm, time is fast spent. You turn with me to chapter 4, please. And see there in verses 23 all the way to 20 to 31. But this is what we find. And they let go. Or when they were let go. They went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Verse 24. So when they heard this, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said. And they were together as a church at difficult times when the gospel was challenged. Well, my friends, there are other times when the deacons were needed. The deacons were chosen in the early church to the end that the pastors and elders will be allowed to have their much needed time for the word and for prayer. Also, later on, when Peter was locked up in prison, we are told in chapter 12, verse 5 onwards, that while he was locked in prison, the church was locked up in prayer. In fact, there was so much in prayer... That even when by God's mighty work the angel of the Lord had gone to prison and, and powerfully delivered people, Peter, and Peter came and he was at the gate, knocking, and the maid going and uh, realizing his Peter couldn't open out of excitement, rushes back and saying, interrupting the corporate prayer. Peter is at the gate, Peter is at the gate. They thought she was mad. We were praying together. Friends, when the Lord blesses your labors, time comes when this church sends out laborers to the mission field. Acts chapter 13, verses one to three tells us they were again locked up in prayer. And may that happen among you too. Well. Uh, time um, is fast spent. I want to finally just zero in and show you that the Apostle Paul himself also sets before us the matter of persistency and urgency in prayer. And so he writes to Timothy where he had said, Timothy, you sought out things in the church. But now he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, this truth. First Timothy chapter 2, therefore, verse 1, I exhort that first of all, that supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And then he directs how different uh, categories of uh, uh, men are to be prayed for. Above all that goes on in a local church, prayer is of great importance. He writes to the Philippians and he tells them, Be worried over nothing. But bring everything under prayer. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Again Paul writing to the Thessalonians he tells them listen it was never God's will or God's plan that prayer should cease in his church. And So he tells them in chapter 5 verse 17 pray without Ceasing. Pray continually. Continue to pray. Uh, My friends, Paul convinces us that prayer must be put fast. If indeed it is put fast, then victory is assured. Someone has said, Defeat and victory lie in this one thing prayer. If prayer is put first, then God is put first, and victory is assured. And so, as much as our salvation was purchased by the blood of Christ. It was sealed and secured by and through vehement prayers. Let's remember that. Let's not be comfortable sitting back in our salvation without prayer. The apostles were slow but later they had to learn Oh my friends, when the Holy Spirit came upon them they learned this lesson and from that moment they saturated every area every aspect of their ministry with prayer. May we be persistent and urgent in our corporate prayer. By the way, as I preach this I preach it to myself, my church needs it. And I do know you need. The Lord has blessed you. And there are many things I believe you need. One of them is a packing space for your curse. You need to pray. Earnestly engage God in that for land. But not just packing space for curse. You need the salvation of sinners in this city. In this congregation, these little souls that were here and now being taught, they need salvation. How will they be saved? You be locked in prayer for them. They are taught, yes, but you be locked in prayer for them. The Savior prayed for those who would be saved and therefore the Savior prayed for such as our little children. And if you are in the congregation here and you are not saved, your salvation cannot come just like that. It was secured through vehement, strong, powerful prayers. What still holds you back? What more prayers do you need to be saved? Turn to Christ, turn to Him. He has so prayed that salvation is granted to him. He secured it. All who go to God through him now can go successfully. What holds you back? You need to be saved. Oh, again, I plead as I walk away from the pulpit Dear brethren, there is work to be done. Yes, there's a lot of work to be done from the quick here. By your pastor and the other elders. Teaching. Preaching. And prayer. Prayer. I did bring other examples. Even widows are expected to pray. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 5 tells us, widows would be expected to pray night and day. Pray, dear brethren, pray. Let there be a real transformation in this town, in this city, in this great country of yours. I admire, I every excuse I have to come to Zambia, I rush for it. Indeed, it's a country I admire. But I know you have challenges. The gospel is the only hope for your country, just like for my country. We can pray for our countries. Please pray. And the corporate prayer is what you need. Let us pray. Lord our God, we do pray. You sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who pleased you in every way. Finally, he died for sinners. But you have allowed us to see something of what he went through before he finally sealed his great love for those whom he loved, because he loved them to death. He prayed. Powerful, strong, vehement prayers. He left us an example. The disciples fumbled and let him down. That was not the end. He was patient. You sent the Holy Spirit and they became men and women of prayer. May that happen for this great church. May that happen for your great people here in this great nation of Zambia. Lord, hear us. Bring good, we pray. Bring good. May there be those who in these days to come will be able to say, thank you for praying for me, dear judge. May your name be glorified. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.